0: Welcome to Fear-Free Childbirth Podcast with Alexia Leachman, the weekly nine-month podcast to help parents-to-be look forward to their fear-free childbirth. Alexia is a pregnancy and head trash clearance coach and the author of Fear-Free Childbirth, How to Have a Stress-Free Pregnancy and a Positive Pain-Free Birth. As a mum who's had two fear-free and pain-free births, Alexia wants to share with you how she overcame her pregnancy and childbirth fears. So that you can look forward to having a fear-free birth too. Over the nine-month life of this podcast, Alexia will be sharing some real-life stories from mums and dads, insights into the latest childbirth research, inspiring tales from birth professionals, and some tips and techniques for clearing your fears and stresses. If you would like to receive a free chapter from her book, then head over to fearfreechildbirth.com, where you can also sign up for her email series, How to Have a Stress-Free Pregnancy. But now, it's time for the show.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Fear Free Childbirth Podcast. This is me, your host, Alexia Leachman. Thank you so much for joining me today. Well, here we are at episode 39. So coming very, very close to the end of the first season here on the Fear Free Childbirth podcast. Now, I am already planning season two. And one of the big pieces that I need to try and get in place for season two is a is some sponsors. I'm looking for some sponsors for season two. So if you would like to reach mums-to-be, pregnant mummers midwives, I've got a lot of midwives listening to the show as well. And then if you would like to reach them and uh, let them hear your message, then get in touch with me at the Fear Free Childbirth podcast and uh, just email me at alexia at fearfreechildbirth.com. Uh, com and you can, you know, just get in touch. So yeah, I'm already looking at episodes. I've got, you know, I've got a load of stuff already planned for season two that I'll be starting in early 2016. My goodness, that doesn't seem that far away actually. Um, so I do need to get my skates on, but I'm concentrating right now on getting to you the rest of season one. And today I've got a really, really great episode for you. I've got a positive birth story to share with you today. And today I'm going to be sharing with you Kath's gentle C-section story. Now, the thing about this story is I think it's just so important for so many mums, well, every single mum to listen to and actually midwives, medical staff as well because I think there's so much for all of us to learn from listening to how Kath prepared for her birth. Kath had two uh, emergency C-sections before so this is her third pregnancy and after having... You know, pregnancies that are births that didn't go that brilliantly and turned out into emergency C-sections, she really wanted to make sure that she planned as best as she could. So you can hear all about what she did to plan. But I think the reason why I want to urge every mum to be to listen to this is the simple fact is that birth is so unpredictable. We just simply don't know how our births are going to go. And many, many of you plan for your home births or you plan for your hospital births or a plan for a vaginal birth, but there isn't that much planning that's gone into what happens if, you know, what happens if things don't go to plan? What happens if you end up having an emergency C-section? And often it's when things go off plan that women start feeling like they're losing control of their birth, that they're no longer having a say, they're feeling sort of almost um, directed by the medical teams and, and told what to do. And it's this loss of control that can really start contributing to feelings of postnatal depression and feelings of trauma around your birth experience, so To help to protect you from not experiencing those things, I think it's really important to try and do some of this planning and preparation up front. And so even if you're not planning to have a C-section, even if you're planning on a vaginal birth, then it's important to give some thought to how you'd like it to unfold if it is going to go that way. So that if it does, you still feel like you have an element of control about what's going on and that you still feel good and positive about your birth because that is going to really help you so much in that post-birth phase and of course if you don't need it well it doesn't matter you've sort of prepared for every possible outcome and that's the most important thing that you feel prepared and that that means that you won't that fear won't show up on the day that if things go differently you feel okay about that because you're prepared and that is how we can really start to take away the fear from our own birth experiences. So this is why I think it's really important for all mums-to-be to to listen to this positive birth story from Kath, who shares her positive gentle c-section story. So some of the things that Kath talks about, you know, what is a gentle c-section, what what that was for her, what she ended up having and, and how she felt about that, what she would do differently if she could do it again. Um, and she also talks about, she 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 uh, had a placenta smoothie as well, so she talks a little bit about that. And also because she's got two little ones under seven, then handling how, you know, breastfeeding with another little one and, and the newborn and all that as well. So really a lot of really good stuff that Kath is going to be sharing during the chat that I have with her today. So without further ado, here's the time that I spoke to Kath about her gentle positive C-section story. I hope you enjoy it. Well, welcome, Kath, to the Fear-Free Childbirth Podcast. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's okay. <laughs> now, you're going to be coming here today to share your gentle cesarean story, and I really can't wait to hear it, because I've heard about it, but I've not heard it from you yet, so I'm really, really looking forward to this. But before we sort of before you dive into all that, would you mind just sort of telling the listeners a little bit about, you know, who you are, what your family life is like, just so they get a little bit of sense of who is Kath.
2: <laughs> I'm Kath. Family life is... Manic, (laughs) but good fun. Good fun. I have three under the age of seven. Wow. um, And Dave, my
1: partner. Now, um, in terms of sharing your story, you're going to be sharing your cesarean story from little Jacob, I believe. Yeah. 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 So, just sort of, you know, just to take us back a little bit in in the in the whole story of Jacob. Would you mind just what was it like when you found out? You first found out that you're pregnant with Jacob.
2: Um, I think I was I was really pleased because I kind of hoped that we would be pregnant then, and we planned to be pregnant then. Well, as far as you can plan, but I just had this feeling that we were gonna get pregnant then, and mm-hmm. we did. But I had I think out of all three of them, even though I kind of should have known that I was pregnant, I couldn't believe that I was. So I probably tested about eight times. Oh really? Dave didn't even know I tested that many times. <laughs> I was just like, I can't believe I actually am pregnant. I can't believe I am pregnant let's do it again oh I am (laughs) Uh, I think probably I started testing from 10 days so I was a bit early but yeah I I was I was really excited because I was really sure that we were going to have a third yeah Um, so yeah it was good and how was the how was the early part of your pregnancy it wasn't too bad I've I've been doing like lots of work with a holistic health coach and kind of doing lots of really green smoothies and things and I just went overnight went off them didn't want to eat them anymore but it was really weird how my diet changed straight away even though I wanted to be healthy I just couldn't face a green smoothie it was like I don't want that
1: wow so, so you it's... were having a green smoothie diet while you were conceiving then I would imagine yeah oh, yeah fab so that, that was that was a great kind of little backdrop for Jacob to make an appearance I'd imagine mm. Mm. yeah amazing so your diet changed completely did it go healthy did it stay healthy or did it go a bit a bit a bit naughty
2: <laughs> <laughs> it was very naughty probably the healthiest presidency i'd had because with the other two i was on dairy but um i was eating dairy and i craved dairy and i was eating cheese was just everything was cheese mm. but then we found out that um michael was intolerant to dairy when he was about six months old so i stopped eating dairy then right. and hadn't gone back onto it so I was a bit, I was a bit worried about what I was going to crave in pregnancy because I wanted cheese all the time. But mm. actually, I didn't really crave very much. What craving like I went through a stage of craving avocados, and then I went through a crave craving for hummus. But like it would last for like a week, and then I'd go off it and want, not want it anymore. I think my probably my worst craving was Coca Pops <laughs> with almond milk, <laughs> which my health coach would be horrified. <laughs> she will be horrified if she listens to this, but yeah, we I was won't like, tell I know, it. we won't tell her. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to tell her, she's part of the journey, very important part of the journey. But, um, yeah, I know. I just was like, no, I can't, I can't eat, I don't know what it was, I just had to. I think it was more, again, it was probably about milk, but, like, mm. almond milk, and I just, it was a really nice way to eat it, but crunchy. Mm. So... Mm. I did have about a week where I was like, that's what I've got to eat.
1: So they got so the cravings yeah. were quite um, noticeable. But did you have any symptoms or any pregnancy symptoms? or Was it quite an easy pregnancy otherwise?
2: I was quite lucky, really, on the whole. I've, mm. Like with all of them, I'd never really had much in the way of morning sickness. Yeah. I just, I felt queasy, but as long as I kept eating. So I think probably the biggest problem <laughs> is I didn't put on quite a lot of weight in all my early pregnancies. But um, yeah, I, I was didn't kundalini with Emily until I was about six weeks pregnant wow. or seven weeks and then I just suddenly my body just went no I'm not doing that anymore yeah so I'm Emily's like, the yoga
1: <laughs> Emily the uh that Kath just referred to is the yoga mama who shared her story oh right the beginning of the podcast and that's how we know each other so just just so the listeners know what you mean when you're saying you did kundalini yeah. with Emily just so they know what's going on so tell us what about your emotional journey then during the pregnancy how are you feeling about your um, the pregnancy was folding unfolding and, and also handling the fact that you had two other little ones that you had yeah, to that, handle and deal
2: with <laughs> yeah that was fun that was fun because <laughs> I was still breastfeeding Michael um, um, so kind of balancing his needs with my needs of exhaustion it, it it was okay I was really excited I was really pleased I knew there was going to be a bit of a, a journey around what choice I made for labour hmm. because I didn't know what was going to happen okay. um, so I was kind of bracing myself for that but I had quite a quite a heavy bleed with jacob at eight just under eight weeks okay. which i hadn't had with the other two like it was quite significant where i just suddenly started bleeding and was like oh i was convinced that i'd lost the baby hmm. for about four days i had to wait until i could get a scan and i like, kind of couldn't believe it when i she said oh no you know a good heartbeat there i was like oh, okay then wow. but i really didn't think that i was going to be pregnant anymore so that was quite mm. a mm. oh so it was probably from that point of view i was a bit more nervous even though i thought i knew what to expect i realized that actually i haven't got a clue yeah. what to expect <laughs> anything could happen yeah. so that was i was quite glad that by that point i had stopped do, mm. doing yoga because i knew it wasn't related to that yeah. but um it was yeah that was probably the worst and then up from that i had a really bad ear infection so actually the hardest part most of the pregnancy i was partly deaf and trying to deal with two kids and deal with appointments and I was going into appointments going I really can't hear you so that was a bit Mm. strange Mm. so So and because I couldn't take anything either yeah it made it a lot harder Mm.
1: so you mentioned that you're working with a health coach
2: yeah (laughs) was that throughout your pregnancy I started doing that really when I went dairy free with Michael I came across and started doing sort of like um oh no (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> guess who's awake you know that I'm talking about him but yeah I started working with Rochelle really because I just thought well if I'm ch- taking dairy out I've got to make sure that I'm putting the right things in. So how far back was that when you, you said when um,
1: Michael went dough free, how long ago was that then? Uh, three and a half years ago. Right okay so you've been working with a health coach for about three and a half years.
2: Yeah probably about three years I think I came across it because I wasn't happy with what I, uh, the information I was given from the dietician's And I just thought, well, I don't really want soy. Soy didn't really feel like it was working. So in terms of the,
1: um, as your pregnancy was progressing then, another thing you mentioned earlier was that, you know, you weren't sure how it was going to go and therefore you you were going to have to make some decisions. So what did you mean by that?
2: Well, because I'd had the two previous C-sections and they both ended up, um at hannah's c-section was really like really long after really long labor and i've been in labor for something like 30 hours wow. and just knew i wasn't progressing and i totally couldn't cope with the pain and then they got to the point where this, they say actually we're a bit concerned about the baby now so i was like right c-section go for it
0: that's yeah. fine
2: um but in that birth i was absolutely terrified i was completely convinced that the baby wasn't not going to be born I had this I didn't realize quite how in depth I had that fear until I after I had Michael and I realized that I hadn't actually ever read the bit about where you bring the baby home in the book that I had when I read it with him I realized that I'd never seen those those pages before Wow! I don't think I'd ever looked past 40 weeks yeah <laughs> because I was convinced that I wasn't coming home with the baby oh, really? so it was like this massive fear of death because we'd have a lot of loss in the family the year mm. before mm. i think it was just like no no i don't want i don't want to think about that yeah uh, I, I, don't know, I don't know like now i can't even think why i was that terrified but i was so that probably didn't really help i was stressed and yeah. worried about it all so the label wasn't going to happen yeah so okay. that that kind of didn't help really I mean, because i had done lots of preparation for it. Like I've been doing yoga through the pregnancy and I did yoga birth preparation and NCT and I had all the information to hand, but it just, I don't know. Like I just couldn't imagine that it was ever going to happen. So I think all of that had like a knock on yeah. effect over it. But then I thought, well, I know that I wasn't as mentally prepared for whatever reason then, so, when I was pregnant with Michael, I did a lot more and I did the hypnobirthing and really used that. And I, I used that on labour and it was brilliant and it worked really well. But again, with Hannah, I'd only got to eight, eight centimetres and didn't get any further. Mm. And then with Michael, I got to eight and a half really, really quickly. But then when he went back to back and I knew that he changed, I was like, right, I just knew that it had changed. Then, so I knew, like with Mike, with Jacob, I knew that the previous two had basically had kind of similar patterns and i'd only got to a certain point right. and it just kind of i just felt like hmm kind of like a repeating pattern i felt like and actually at the end of my pregnancy with michael one of my yoga teachers said to me um about actually sometimes you can do everything you want to change you know to try and turn the baby but sometimes the baby's trying to give you a message
1: yeah
2: and i think well maybe <laughs> they were trying to give me a message that we're not going to get out for whatever yeah. reason so So when I I was thinking about having another pregnancy, I was kind of thought, hmm, we might have to look at it. Okay. So I arranged to have like a debrief with the consultant. And I just want, I I knew they were always talking to me from my notes, but I didn't realise I'd never seen them. So I kind of wanted to match up and see Mm. what it was that they were actually talking about, which was really, really helpful.
1: At what point did you decide that you're going to have a C-section then in your pregnancy?
2: about 20 weeks about 20 weeks okay <laughs> yeah after the kind of big scan and when I actually saw the consultant and what kind of went through all those notes mm. and went right well what are the op- what? I think it was really or well, what are the options here because I had a very good consultant who in my previous pregnancy been really happy and you know go for it with a, a natural birth if you can that'd be brilliant mm. but I thought if I see him and he's saying no I really think this is the best option I know he's so pro natural birth, I just felt that if he was on an R ring, then that was probably the safest, really and the most sensible but I had had to go through quite a process to even get my head around that that, like, talking to other friends who were kind of involved in birthing and working with pregnant women and really, I think I was I knew that I wanted to plan it and if I was going to have a C-section I was going to plan it really well Mm. so it could be the best possible C-section, but I didn't I was worried that I was going to end up regretting not being in labour because I really enjoyed being in labour with both of them, Mm. the older two. So I I was worried about missing out on how I was going to feel. And also I did have very helpful comments of, but why are you having a plan section? You've never pushed. And, you know, (laughs) from friends. But (laughs) I fortunately, had a lot of people around me who were far more supportive than that. So, you know, it, it kind of helped so um um,
1: okay sorry carry on
2: no i was gonna say i had to go like through a real process of grieving pregnancy and it was weird i've kind of felt like that and then actually i spoke to somebody else who kind of said they'd experienced it as a grief of having to grieve not delivering vaginally which actually i look back now i think it doesn't matter i've got babies doesn't matter now but at the time it felt really important i think it was just because i wanted to give him the best possible chance
1: yeah
2: now, I was speaking to another mum whose
1: story I'll be sharing on the podcast as well. And she was saying that exact same thing, that she was grieving not having that vaginal birth experience. And that's yeah. that's what she struggled with the most after she had an emergency caesarean. And uh, so, yeah, it sounds to me like that's a very sort of normal thing for someone to experience. As odd as you may have found it at the time, it sounds like it is something that's quite typical.
2: Yeah, I think I think as well I had a lot of comments from people because I live kind of like a baby wear and a cloth nappy and I eat kind of fairly veganly ways and probably don't live the most conventional lifestyle. I suppose people call me hippie and do lots of yoga and alternative therapies and mm. work for a leader and all, you know, <laughs> it's all kind of a natural lifestyle. So people are always like, oh, but I thought you'd have done, done a home birth. Like, well, almost because you tick all those boxes then you can't be a proper hippie unless you're home birth and I was like but mm. well, yeah uh, one of my friends said something about how her actually the lady that was going to do my placenta said that her sister had had that kind of experience of actually what matters is that I deliver my baby and bring my baby home like I'm not going to get any medals for mm. going through labour if it's not the right thing to do.
1: So you decided to go for the elective c-section yeah. And so you you had quite a bit of time then to plan for your C section. If you made that decision at twenty weeks, so I'm interested really in. And you said you you hinted earlier on in the chat that you you know you planned, you know to start planning. So I'm really curious as to what kind of what you went through as part of your planning process.
2: Well, it was kind of like, well, how am I going to negotiate this? Are they going to be able to do it? What do I need to find out if? I want them to be able to do it for me. Mm. And I I fortunately, because I've spoken to an independent midwife, and I knew that she'd had a previous client under my consultant who had had a a gentle C-section. So I kind of made sure that I had all the information to hand when I went to the appointments, so I could discuss it. But I didn't really need to, because he already knew what I was talking about. Mm. And I was quite happy to do it that way. But it was um, kind of like slow, slow delivery. So basically all they did was pull his head out and then the syntocin drip and basically the wound contracted and pushed him out so they didn't pull him out he basically was birthed out so that's like the most natural way you could be born really so is that how that's how they
1: define a a gentle c-section is to kind of allow the body to be doing a lot of the pushing
2: yeah yeah so Mm. basically they just pull like head and shoulders out Mm. and then the baby delivers himself they'd like a very hands-off and you can see, like in the photos that Dave took, you can see the photos that he, like, no one was touching him; he was just appearing. <laughs> oh wow! So, you know, it was quite, quite different. Mm. Um, and then also to, I wanted, if possible, to have the delay call clamping and immediate skin to skin, and have him on me as long as I could. So that was all kind of like, well, that that's the ideal. If everything's okay, okay, then we'll, you know, we can do that. Obviously, every every everything they agreed to is on the that everything's okay
0: mm. but that's
2: that's fair enough but um so you had lots of meetings with people just to
1: get make sure that you were sure and confident that they were hearing what you wanted that it was well understood and that they yeah. were kind of almost reaffirming it back to you that they understood and that 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 would be okay and so there was a lot yeah. of that going on was there
2: yeah and also like I, cuz I, w- I wasn't sure and I'd, unfortunately I went to an appointment and he wasn't able to be there in an emergency but I sat and waited and nobody told me for 3 hours and if I'd known that he wasn't there I wouldn't have waited for that time mm. but um so and then when I got in I kind of had the experience of being told that I had to or the baby would die which was like well actually no I'm not being told I have to do anything. Mm. And that almost made me go, well, I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm not going to do what I'm scaremongered into. I'm not making a decision on this until I've had a proper conversation where I'm treated like an adult and you treat me like an adult. And in in the process of that, I actually spoke to the supervising midwife as well, which was really helpful because I then felt like I had an advocate and I knew I had, I knew what I could ask for reasonably. Mm on what the processes were going to be in the hospital as well so that helped
1: Mm. like I wasn't going
2: in demanding everything I wanted if it wasn't reasonable but I knew that actually what I was asking for wasn't unreasonable so it kind of gave me more confidence to be able to ask for it so like it it helped to have those conversations yeah
1: so did you um did you have quite a, a detailed
2: birth preferences document then? It wasn't too detailed, because I thought, well, actually, they probably never read it. <laughs> I, but I did kind of highlight the key things that I wanted. Uh, but they were, they they already seemed to be on it. They, like, they knew the research that I was kind of referring to. Okay. As well, like, he, when, when I had the kind of, yeah, let's go for it, I think that was about 24 weeks, um, mm-hmm. that he he was like, oh, yeah, uh, have you seen that? Uh, I, I read this article, and he knew what I was talking about. So yeah. I knew then that I didn't have to worry anymore, really. Okay. So, but I mean, there were a few times I kind of had to say, like, I really would like this to happen. Is that going to happen? Is it going to be possible? And even on the day, I was still a bit like, I am definitely having him, aren't I? I'm not having anyone else. Okay. Um, but actually, they they were brilliant. They mm. really seemed to be on the ball with it. Mm. So so um, would you mind
1: just running through again, those some of your, not, not demands, but the things that you wanted as part of your... Plan c-section then just to sort of yeah. recap a bit for people listening
2: okay the main thing really was kind of the, the slow delivery so they basically took out his head and shoulders and let him then be pushed out by my womb contracting rather than pulling him out so was kind of as natural as you can get really and then once he was born i wanted him to be put on directly onto me for skin to skin but obviously that was going to kind of be all depends how long his cord is it might only have been on my legs or on my tummy um but I was like I don't care as long as it's on me and Mm. then delayed cord clamping and then just to be left on me as long as possible really not cleaned up just left on me (laughs) and did you have
1: anything in there around the lighting or the number of people in the room anything like that
2: yeah, well, I did. I, I've written down that I would like it to be quiet when he was born. I just had a CD of actually of yoga mantras and like nice songs and mm. things that I liked. On um, that was fun. and when he was born, it was completely silent in the room, and they turned the light down as much as they could, and it it was brilliant. They were spot on with it. So yeah. you know, they were. I, I was kind of aware of actually for for safety, there needs to be x amount of people in the room so i I kind of i never even really thought about that i know some people do but i just knew that the people were there that needed to be there and as long as dave was there i didn't really care who else was there yeah
1: and where was your um where was your partner positioned in the room during all this
2: he was head end next to me okay taking photos which he wasn't that happy about because they dropped the drape (laughs) he was like oh but he took loads. Of, I don't think he actually looked. He was kind of just taking photos because right, right. I couldn't see. <laughs> oh, he did look apparently, he just said. Oh, he did. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think actually when it it was in the moment, he didn't. He was quite fascinated by watching the baby being delivered, which we yeah. hadn't had before because we always had the, the drape up.
1: Right.
2: OK. So, but they dropped that. Right, I, c- okay. I couldn't see over it. He could.
1: And are you pleased about that? Yeah. yeah
2: yeah yeah well I mean he he was never one for wanting to cut the cord but I'm glad that he got at least one of us got to see <laughs> that and yeah. he was able to then take the photos at least yeah but and the photos are amazing really really I was mm. hoping we were allowed to video it but we weren't no <laughs> <laughs> uh.
1: so you had nice music playing and it was yeah. really nice and quiet in there and and so did they turn the lights down a bit or was it
2: Yeah, they had to turn them up, obviously, to begin with, so we could see what he was doing with everything and then sighting the um, Mm. epidural and Mm. what have you. Mm. The whole thing from start to finish, Like as soon as you walked down there, they were all like really excited to see you and treated you like a film star and it just made you feel right at home. Mm. I think that was the hardest thing thing I was not looking forward to because with the other two, I had so much adrenaline, I didn't really notice them doing the the epidural, mm -hmm. but mm because I kind of walked in cold, it was like, oh, yeah, you're going to a big needle in my back <laughs> and actually trying to get comfortable when you've got a big belly I couldn't yeah. get far, far enough forward to to get it in but once I got it in it was fine okay. it was all systems go really so, so just
1: yeah I just realized we didn't really talk about you sort of rocking up to the hospital on the day because you know this is a yeah. day that would have been in your diary for weeks I would imagine was yeah it? yeah so well, um, it was yeah yeah. And how how was that then kind of, you know, um, I guess for your other two pregnancies, because it ended up being an emergency, you, you sort of went through what a lot of women go through, which is when's baby arriving? I have no idea. Yeah. And suddenly now you kind of had a fixed day in your head that you knew yeah. it was definitely happening. How, what was that like compared to your other pregnancies?
2: And that was really great because I got to choose the date. <laughs> but we had a conversation about like booking it, and I was offered the the Monday the seventeenth. But because Michael had been ten days early, and that was going to kind of be, he was going to, he was then eight days, he was born eight days early. In the end, Michael, uh, Jacob was. Hmm. I didn't really want to leave it and go over the weekend and then risk going into labour over the weekend. Yeah. So I was kind of like, if we can do it on Friday. That would be really good. And actually, it was great because it was 14, 11, 14. So he's got a really cool date of birth. Oh, very cool, very cool. So I was like, yeah, I like that. That, That's good. So I kind of had that date in my head, even from when I first got pregnant. I was like, yeah, they're the dates. That's when he's due. Mm. If I have a C-section, I'll probably have him then. So I kind of knew, really, from where I go. Oh, wow. So was that that like a week?
1: How many weeks was that then? Was that a week before his due date? Uh, yeah, it was eight days. Eight days
2: before his was you okay. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, quite, you know, knowing exactly when someone's going to make an appearance must be quite something.
2: Uh, it was quite helpful as well, like with the other two. We dropped them off to mum and dad the night before yeah. and went home and watched telly and went to bed and got up really early and went to the hospital and got checked in and that was it. Yeah. So how long did it unfold
1: then from the time that you got to the hospital to when you had little Jacob?
2: Uh, um, we arrived about half six, I think, seven and went straight to the ward, and then kind of had to do everything. I think he was born at 11.48, so we went down to theatre about quarter past 11. Okay. So it, that that kind of three-hour period felt like forever. Mm. And they kept coming and telling us, you know, they're waiting, they've got someone in, in delivery, they're thinking might need theatre, so we're just going to wait. And I think they they had to take someone to theatre for whatever reason, and, then, and they were, then they came up and said, we're ready, and it was just like... <gasps> really i'm gonna have a baby in a minute oh my god <laughs> so that was a bit weird
1: how, how is that then yeah like that is a bit weird now you just said it like that that does sound a bit like oh my goodness it's like in You're in, one... in, in half an hour in yeah. 45 minutes he'll be here you know
2: yeah it was a bit oh crikey i've got to oh yeah oh i'm gonna go down and have a baby like now <laughs> but it was it was exciting it was yeah. good and it was quite nice to kind of just calmly walk down and just walking to theatre and like walk through the doors and everyone was like, Oh, hi, we're here for you. And they took Dave off to get him in his scrubs. And, and it just, I kind of felt like a celebrity and they were all like chattering away. And it, it just was really nice <laughs> i felt like a queen
1: <laughs> and did, so did, you, is it, did you put that into your preferences like you know be really nice to me welcome me in and all that kind of stuff or didn't it is that i don't know like,
2: no they just did that they did they that did and that. actually a few people i've spoken to since said that they felt like that as well oh, like brilliant. it was really they were really excited and oh wow so came that into, really helps yeah. doesn't it Yeah, it was, uh, like, silly little things, like, they put put my name on the board, and then they drew a heart and wrote Dave, and watched partner's name, and then wrote Dave, so, like, on the board, it says catalogs Dave on on the board, which I just, like, a little thing in the background of the photos, but it it kind of included Dave as well as much as me.
1: Yeah,
2: Yeah. like I really appreciated that they, Mm. you know, appreciated that he was important. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the whole proceedings. And so, um,
1: once little Jacob had appeared, then, um, how did the, I don't know, like, you know, the sort of breastfeeding and all that kind of stuff, did that, how did that go for you?
2: Ah, oh, yeah, that was good. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it kind of, it helped really because once he came out and they put him on me, his cord was so long they could put him straight up on to oh. my chest and it was brilliant. So, it, he was just there on me from work go, really. Was he? Did he latch um, on okay? Yeah, well, I, I couldn't get him in a good enough position to get him latched on straight away, but at least he was on me.
1: Yeah,
2: I had a funny moment where he he, he was he kind of squawking because he was on me. I knew he was okay. I could feel him breathing. I knew I knew yeah. he was fine. But they were all a bit, oh, he's not really crying very much. We need to just check he's okay now we've got his cord. And I was like, if you have to. But like the second they took him off of me, he just went, rah, <laughs> like, put me back. Yeah, and they were like, oh, "Oh, oh, he's okay then." And as soon as he went back on me, he just—that was it. He was happy and just snuffled in, and he was absolutely fine. Aww. But I just—that just says such a lot about he's on me. he Doesn't need to cry. What he wanted was to be on me, so he had no need to cry really. But yeah. obviously, they had to check he was okay. But
1: yeah. and then
2: once we were in recovery, I was kind of like, "Oh, I'm just going to breastfeed him now." And uh, uh, totally different to how it was with the other two. Really? Well, Hannah wouldn't latch on at all, probably because she'd had a massive long labour.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, Michael, I was, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. Whereas with Jacob, I'd fed Michael what the night before, so with Jacob, it was like, yeah, okay, I know what I'm doing, so that helped. But well, I think as I knew what I was doing, and it was obviously already milked there, it kind of helped. Yeah. And he just went straight on and he. He knew what he was doing.
1: So I'm just thinking that, you know, just as you said, was milk already there. I'm just thinking, you know, about the, the colostrum, that first bit of milk that's for the newborn. How does the body, what does the, does the body give you some of that for your new little baby? Even if you're still breastfeeding? I don't
2: know. I mean, this is something yeah. I've just realised. What what happens? It kind of just starts from really from about 32 weeks-ish, is it? Okay. I think. And it's funny, I noticed that like, when Michael, every time he'd had a, he'd had a really good feed and then he'd be like gulping down water. I was like, is he not getting anything? But I knew he was. Yeah, He was dribbling it everywhere. And then actually a friend who's a midwife lent me um, adventures in tandem nursing. And that was one of the things that said that the colostrum is so salty quite often. Um, They'll feed and then they'll want water.
1: Yeah. And I I guess, did you get the kind of crazy onslaught of, loads of milk arriving in the first few days afterwards did that kind of happen to you it
2: still took a little while but what helped was that i had the placenta smoothie done so i'd had that okay. about four o'clock in the afternoon when he was born at nearly 12 o'clock and i'd by okay. like four o'clock i'd had that i think michael came in the second day and had milk and i think that probably helped <laughs> was a lot So, of milk.
1: And the, the placenta smoothie then just talk us through a little bit about
2: that yeah i had um somebody from the placenta encapsulation network do it so Okay, so what kind of smoothie was it, other than a placenta smoothie? Was was it? Um, it was only a really small amount of placenta, but okay. that was like all you needed in it. But it was almond milk, honey, lots of fruits—blueberries, raspberries—and um, it was delicious. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I could drink it again. Brilliant. So when you say it's only a small amount of placenta, what we talk like? I'm just thinking, you know, like the size of a blueberry, the size of a strawberry. Uh, I think
2: she's probably in like ten peas worth. I. Thing, I can't, I don't know. she okay. did it at and home. So, so I don't really know, just a tiny amount then. But that's all you need to Is kind of you kick your iron levels back up, and right. as far as I know, that's okay. what I've been told anyway. And Kitty. <laughs> detect
1: the flavor or taste or is it just because you just no. had all that gorgeous fruit that you were drinking
2: <laughs> yeah no it was great because i had like all the fruit and the honey the honey really yeah. made it nice and sweet so
1: yeah it, it was all so you didn't really notice did that you were drinking that at all I guess. oh no. no no i was like oh i can have another one of these <laughs> just make a <laughs> few of them okay. so has that helped with your um recovery then taking placenta like that
2: I think it did. I think it did. I still had a long recovery and ended up with an infection because I think not Michael unfortunately caught me with his knee and banged me, so that I think that just irritated. Okay. But I don't think I don't think like the centre wouldn't have made any difference to that. No. But.
1: So if there's any anybody listening that's kind of um, would like to plan for a gentle caesarean,
2: what advice would you give them? If I can find a positive birth group, that was really really helpful okay um just because it was a really positive mindset whether whatever kind of birth you're having Mm. so So, positive
1: birth movement one of those groups yeah yeah yeah. okay
2: that was really good and i didn't actually make it to nottingham home birth group but i was on the facebook group and that was really helpful because there were other people that had gone through it yeah uh and just there was a gent there's a gentle cesarean Facebook group as well and that was really good because I got to read other people's stories Mm. and reading those other stories was really good Just actually yeah these people have done it and they've had a really positive experience so Mm. it's not going to be such a bad thing and then I'm trying to think, oh yeah there's a really good film, I can't think what the link is, if I find it I'll send it to you but there's a really good film um, that I watched just after I'd had Michael actually about you know, they actually film one in London at a hospital. And it. I just thought, actually, it is, that's how Jacob's was. It was lovely. Mm. And it just made me go, ah, that's a lot better than I thought it would be if I had a planned one. So, yeah.
1: And so now when you think about your, you know, your birth, it you sounds like, you know, it, it does sound like an incredibly positive experience for you. And is there anything that you would have changed or done differently, even despite it being so wonderful? Is there anything that maybe you think, oh, I could have done that as well? or?
2: Yeah, the gut microbe bacteria. I'd only kind of just started hearing about what you can do and I didn't kind of get my head around it beforehand. So I think with C-section babies, you know, you kind of lose some of that flora that you get. Yeah. Gut flora. Yeah. Yeah, so I kind of wish I'd known a bit more about that and I just didn't get my head around looking at it. I took him to see the... Well, I went to the chiropractor anyway after I'd had him. And um, he got a free check and she was pretty, wow. You can't tell he was born by a C-section. So that kind of just reaffirmed to me.
1: Mm. So what did oh, she mean really by glad. that then? What did she mean well, by that?
2: Well, I think particularly C-section babies tend to be quite pulled about and twisted and tugged. Okay. I mean, he wasn't quite a strange position as well. He had his cord rounded his neck because it was such a long one, I think. And he was kind of back to back and he was breech, but he had his legs right up under his armpits and he was really in a stuck position. They had He was like, I am going to have to put him a bit because i'm not going to get him to a position to deliver so in a way in a way again that kind of reaffirmed to me i kind of i kind of had the sense from word go that actually i needed to have the plan c section but i think it was more fear of what other people would say which was totally the wrong attitude And i need Mm. and that was kind of part of the grieving process i had to get rid of that fear of what other people were going to say about the way i delivered him and just and being do judged. what was right yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and actually but I, I just kind of had this sense that he had to be born and that, that he had to be born that day and i just think well if he'd gone into labour and he was in that position what kind of trouble would we ended up yeah would we have ended up in
1: yes. so i'm
2: really glad that i kind of listened to what my body was going no he needs to be born then
1: yeah well thank you very much kath for sharing your story it really is lovely to hear such a positive cesarean story so um thank you very much for coming on the theory childbirth podcast thank you for having my story. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed listening to Kath and her gentle c-section story. Now she shared a lot of really great resources during that chat so if you want to get the show notes for today's episode then you go to fearfreechildbirth.com forward slash Kath, C-A-T-H, super simple and there there is also a uh, YouTube video as well of A gentle C section, and also there are some really great links that we've shared as well with some articles. There's some stuff about the gut flora and the microbiome that she talked about towards the end of our chat. Um, So, yes, there's lots of great resources and things that Kath shared during the chat. I hope
0: you enjoyed today's episode, and I'll see you again next time. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in. You've just been listening to Alexia Leachman from the Fear Free Childbirth podcast. If you enjoyed the show, she'd really love it if you left a review on iTunes or Stitcher or shared it with a friend. And don't forget, to get a free chapter from her book, head over to fearfreechildbirth.com to get your copy, as well as finding other episodes in this podcast and more about how Alexia can help you with pregnancy and birth preparation coaching. Until next time.